I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Of the many heroes in faith I look to for courage and wisdom, Gordon Cosby is one of the greatest. Cosby began as a chaplain during World War II and then went on to found the small but mighty Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C., which has transformed the lives of its members and the neighborhood around it for this past 70 years. Cosby, who died in 2013, served as a young man in World War II as a chaplain to the 101st Airborne. And the night before they were to invade Normandy, the night before D-Day, his superior told him to talk to the men to prepare them for what they were about to endure. For Cosby was told only half of the men would survive the invasion. Cosby spent the night counseling and praying with the men and he spent the next day pulling the wounded to safety and ministering to the dying. Of all the devastations of that time, the one that most deeply affected Cosby was realizing that these young men were not equipped to face death. He realized there was no difference between those raised in the church and those raised outside of the church. And he knew that if he survived the war, he wanted to help form Christians so deeply that they felt and thought and lived differently, differently in the world. That story pierced me when I first heard it, and it has troubled me since. I have often wondered, what makes us different from any other? Shouldn't people be able to tell we are Christians by the way we speak, by the way we act? Shouldn't being Christian mark us, mark us as different in some way? We're living in uncertain times right now. Perhaps we always are. A time when people are using faith to excuse horrendous acts of violence against the innocent. A time when we worry if we can protect ourselves from those who willingly strike civilians who are not afraid to die in their own attacks. In times like this, times of fear, it can be tempting, even understandable, to fall back on the ways of the world, ways of harsh judgment, relentless violence, an eye for an eye or worse. 
it can seem reasonable to rely on the ways of the state, the empire, the military. But today, today is the feast of Christ the King. Christ the King. The feast we always celebrate on the last Sunday of the liturgical year, the last Sunday before Advent. The feast when we remember that no matter where we live or who is in power, no matter what the world says is the right way to go, we who follow Jesus have one King before all others. And there is one kingdom to which we claim allegiance. In today's gospel, during the trial before Jesus is crucified, Pilate questions Jesus over and over. Are you the king of the Jews, he asks? Are you a king? Jesus sidesteps these questions over and over. After all, Jesus and his followers, the author of this gospel, know all they ever want to know about kings and kingdoms, emperors and empires. They are violent and deadly, crushing individuals for the sake of power and the goals of the state. Jesus is not that sort of king. Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. In other words, if Jesus and his followers were of and like the world, they would use the ways, the tools of the world to protect Jesus. They would use violence. They would have stockpiled weapons, drawn up plans for an armed attack, but Jesus' kingdom works differently. It's not a place so much as a relationship. It's not created with or defended by violence. When Pilate asks Jesus again, so you are a king? Jesus answers, you say that I'm a king. But for this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And what is the truth Jesus came to testify to? Jesus tells us this truth. God is love. God loves us, and we know God by loving one another. Jesus testifies to another truth. Even though terrible things might happen to us in our lives, to the world, we need not fear. For as Paul writes, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, he says, nothing. Nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Here is the truth. God is love. God 
loves us. We are to love others no matter what. Nothing can separate us from God. None of this means we won't sorrow when we hear of terrible attacks in Paris and Beirut and Mali and wherever terrorists attack next. It doesn't mean that righteous anger won't rise up nor that we won't be tempted to avenge, to commit great violence, to lock down our borders, to keep ourselves safe. These are natural reactions. They are perhaps all too human. But they are the patterns of worldly empires and kingdoms, not of the one who is Alpha and Omega, the King who has loved and forgiven us all, who has loved and freed us from our sins, who first loved us so we might love others, who bids us to love enemies, to do good to those who hate us, bless those who curse us, pray for those who abuse us. Christ, the King, offers us a way that seems ridiculous and naive. Our King, our Prince of Peace, bids us to do what we would never ever choose for ourselves. His way is the way of love and peace. But after all, brothers and sisters, aren't we, aren't we supposed to be different from the world?